Back to life, back to reality. Joe Flacco, fine, I guess. But now it's time to turn the page. It's time to turn the page on what we came here for, what we signed up for, for the 2021 Jets and beyond. And that's franchise quarterback Zach Wilson. Flacco was serviceable Sunday. He didn't lose them the game. He didn't win them the game. But once again, the Jets ended up in the losing column. Their favorite place to be. For now, a team that has two picks in the top five. Well, that number two pick has to show us why he was number two next week. Forget about this garbage game. Go enjoy your turkey. Go enjoy your stuffing. Go enjoy your mashed potatoes with gravy and turn the page on Jets Dolphins and the anemic showing of a National Football League game. The Jets showed us why they're trash. Undisciplined, penalties, ineptitude, so many chances. We're done with Joe Flacco. He is not the future. And while you may have no interest in watching Jets Texans on Sunday, and I can't blame you, it's now time to see what we have in this kid. You sat back, you got your knee right, you watched the game from the sidelines, which is something you should have done in week one with Joe Flacco, and Joe Flacco decided to go elsewhere. It's something you should have done with a veteran quarterback when this season started for a few games. You got your four games of watching now, and it's better late than never. Now week 12, we see who this kid really is. Seven games, seven opportunities to show us why the Jets decided that you would be the baby face of the franchise. What a bum. Look at the freaking scoreboard. You are not close. You play to win the game. Why can't the New York Jets ever have nice things? You're a Jets fan. You guys have to earn this stuff. You're going to have to suffer through another few years. I don't mean to sound like the get off my lawn guy, but get off my freaking lawn with that. I forgot what it's like to win football games. I mean, you can't make it up with this team. Happy Victory Monday, Jake. Only for you guys would I do this? Only our gang's all here. We love it. 90% of games in this league are lost. Not one, and this one was lost, so. Flacco hit from behind. Ball is out, and the Dolphins have it. I'll never fault aggressive penalties. JFM, unacceptable. Amendola missed it. It was clearly one of those learning moments of how not to lose. Third and goal, Tua looks left, throws at the goal line, touchdown Miami. If you're just handing points back and you're not scoring when you have a chance, you're not going to win. And the Dolphins with the grab, and that will seal it for Miami. Whether you lose by one or 50, it doesn't freaking matter. This one we lost. Welcome back to Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown and Brian Costello here. That montage you just heard was, of course, Robert Sala and Greg Gumbel of CBS on the call. Former Jets special teams coach Mike Westoff is going to join us later in the show. As always, a candid interview, a must-listen interview with Mike Westoff. The Jets fall to 2-8. and eight. They lose to the Dolphins 24-17, Kaz. I think I said 27-24 Dolphins, so I was a little bit off. You did not make your pick. What did you end up picking, by the I way? I picked the Jets to win the game in the paper. Oh, God damn it. What did you say the score was? Do you remember 29-17, the I said. Oh, he picks the Jets by 12. Uh, you had the 17, uh, right? So, but oh, just, we, the wrong we, team, yeah. We both had the right score with the wrong team. Good God. I mean, it just shows you that this is just a bad football team. Dumb penalties, cause from John Franklin Myers on the roughing the passer. Pinnock, the holding call. Joe Flacco throwing it to no one for intentional grounding. Missed field goals. This game was hard to watch. I had red zone on the TV down here in Charlotte or in South Carolina. Technically, I'm here. And I had the Jets on the computer. And it was ugly football. And we expected that. When you're talking about 
two teams with the records that they had coming in and how bad both these teams have been but yes there were there were shades of greatness whether it was Michael Carter's run or Elijah Moore's big play his big game that 62 yard touchdown but otherwise there were just stupid penalties and stupid plays from this Jets team you know outside of Carter and and let's hope he's okay with the ankle injury some of these guys like a Flacco aren't part of the future so it's not like we were outside of Carter and Moore watching much of the future but we saw the future of the defense and you know the undisciplined JFM got paid and I think Joe Beningo said there's an APB out for him I mean he's done nothing since he got that check and that penalty is inexcusable. Even Coach Sal, as you heard in the montage there, said the same thing. So you just saw an undisciplined team make dumb mistakes, and uh, that resulted in the loss, guys. Yeah, I thought Sal said it well. They they have to learn how not to lose before they learn how to win. And right now, they're, they don't know how to not lose. The last few losses have just been blowouts. It hasn't really been them doing harm to themselves. But they had a chance to win Sunday, Jake. And I think you could hear it in Robert Sala's voice after the game. You could hear the frustration that they should have won that game in his mind. And, you know, they had it 14-14 in the, going in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, JFM gives them life third and four at the five. They get the stop, and there's a flag on the field. And then three plays later, Tua finds Gaskin for the touchdown. And then uh, the Jets go th- uh, three and out on the next series. And the Dolphins get the ball with 8.50 left. So if you get them off the field and you're down by touchdown, you still got a chance to win this game. They do get them off the field. Quinn and Williams sacks Tua with about five and a half minutes left. And there's a flag for Jason Pinnock for holding. And now that extends the drive. And Miami ran the ball all the way down. They ran the clock all the way down to 157 before the field goal to make it 24-14. And the game was over. You know, these mistakes, Jake, uh, to call in timeouts in the third quarter because you don't have the right people on the field is inexcusable. You know, the Flacco one sounds like it was a miscommunication. Not necessarily not on him, but the receiver might have ran the wrong way. So that one, I'm not going to put on Flacco so much. But just because with six minutes left in the third quarter, they had one timeout. I mean, that's you can't do that they, you can't do that in a close if they game. have those yeah. timeouts in the fourth quarter maybe that game ends a little bit differently but you right. cannot lose two timeouts in the first nine minutes and a half that's inexcusable well Miami maybe Miami's not able to run the clock all the way down to 157 you know on that drive if you have some timeouts to use but they burn them because they didn't have the right personnel on the field and that's inexcusable they're a bad football team Jake like bad football teams do bad football things and that was on display and now they get the Texans this week another bad football team I don't expect this game to be heading the the film to be this one to be heading to Canton this week either it's going to be another ugly football game probably Jets Texans could end up being one of the lowest rated games in the history of the NFL on Sunday I mean has CBS asked you and Andrew to call the game this week? I mean, they should. I would at least make it entertaining. Give me like I'm, Pat McAfee, Andrew, we'll have a little I'm trio. Figuring, I'm figuring we're down to like the uh, 12th team on CBS for this game. <laughs> yeah, they're like, anyone want to call this? Anyone? This is going to be on Nickelodeon soon at this point. This should be the Nickelodeon broadcast. The problem is no one will get in the slime zone. I mean, no one's going to score touchdowns. So the slime zone is going to have to be like your own 30-yard line. It's like from the 20 to the 40, your own 20 to 40. Here's the slime zone. They should, CBS um, should have a contest of like who wants to like win – Win a chance to call the Jets Texans game. See if they right? do do that though. Noah Eagle, I and Son. By the way, I'm having the I'm drinking the throat coat tea, which is an actual thing. I and Eagle told me about, it, and it's helping my throat very much. A so shout out to Ian. Noah's great. So if Noah Eagle's calling a game on Nickelodeon, 
I'm listening. So I'm in for that. But yeah, it's it, for real though. This is ugly. And can we get a competent kicker? I know you made fun of me. You and the kicker, you and the, these kickers stink from Vedvik to Ficken. And you go in every week, not sure if the Jets can make a 40 yard field goal. They miss a 40 yarder. 55, fine, I get it. I hate it. And I know you guys didn't really see it, but Salah basically taking that delay a game on the field goal attempt. You are two and seven. Kick the ball. If he misses it, oh well, you give it to the other team. Kick the damn ball. Try a field goal. The problem is their kicker is garbage. You can't trust your kicker to try it. So you stay out on the field and take a delay a game on a field goal. What is this amateur hour? Come on, cause you have to either kick it there or if you, if he can't make that kick, then punt it. Enough of these garbage. Oh, let's try and fool him on the field goal. Maybe we'll get five yards and make it a 51 yard kick. Just kick the damn ball and try and get the points. That's nine points. Essentially, you know, I, I know it's a tough kick, but it, he's an NFL kicker. You can make that. That's nine points that are potentially off the board. That's the difference of the game. You make those nine points, the Jets win. Huh. <laughs> oh, math. I'm with that's, my mom here. Math that's, some, that's mathematics. All right, Jake. Well, let me break this. Like, Let me, let me try to take this piece by piece. I'm with you. The 40-yard field goal, you got to make it, right? Look around the NFL, though. There, I know you're going to say Justin Tucker. There's no other Justin Tuckers. He's it. That's him. Like, there's the other most teams have a kicker that misses field goals. The Dolphins missed a terrible field goal at the end of the half. And Sanders is a pretty good kicker. So kickers miss. It's hard to find guys who don't miss ever. Amendola has been okay. He he had a bad day yesterday. I'm not going to kill him for missing the 55 yard field goal off the upper eight. And then the 56 yarder. I don't think Sal was trying to fool them. I think he changed his mind. I think he was going to kick the field goal. Then he thought better of it and said, you know, instead of uh, taking a timeout here, because I don't even know how many timeouts they had left at that point, <laughs> let's uh, just take the delay of game because they were you know it's not going to kill you it's going to actually give you a better field position to punt from a few yards back than punting there and, and avoiding the end zone so I, I didn't have a problem with that at first I was like what the heck's going on and then when I realized they did it on purpose uh I was fine with it that wasn't like Denver where they had a um communication problem that caused the delay of game because this is the NFL this is a peewee football you can't change your mind after a decision there was no of course you can, Jake you he was can, in, but was why a decision why, 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 kick, a, why kick a 56 why? yard field goal after he okay, missed so a 55 yard why even do that so yeah so, so he thought, uh, but like he did punt. He did punt. Go what, for it. What, what was it? But what, what harm was done? What harm was done? It was long. It was pretty long. What harm was done by taking the delay game? You could have had a shot at points at least. Instead, you just well, took it was fifty-six yards. It wasn't like it was a delay game from a forty-yarder to a forty-five-yarder. Go for it or kick it. Oh, I'm going to change my mind. You're two and seven. Go for the points. I mean, you're not getting any points. It was fourth and seven. It was fourth and seven at the thirty-eight. It was the first drive of the third quarter. So I would have um, went for it then. If you're not going to fourth care. and seven, you would have gone for it. Yeah, instead of instead of taking a delay a game, yes, I, I would have went for it. I'm sorry, well, the, you're two and seven. but the, the, your focus on the delay of the game. The delay of game was to set up better field position because if you're punting from your 38, that's a like that's tough. You're, you're two and seven. Go for the points. This isn't a playoff team. You're, you're playing the game like like a playoff team. You're taking punts. Well, you're trying to I win get... the game. It was at that point. Uh, it was seven seven. It was I a disagree. seven seven game. I, I get it, but you're two and seven. But it's not like I... he passed up on a 45 yard field goal, Jake. It's a 56 yard field goal. But the 50 55 was long enough. I think what did it go off the post? Well, yeah, it was definitely post. long but, enough. Uh, yeah. But if you like if you miss it, they're getting the ball then at their own 46 yard line. Like you're giving them great field position. I, I wouldn't do that. Like the bigger thing, Jake, is just all the empty trips that they had. Not getting to the end zone is the problem here. Not kicking field goals. They had four trips into Miami territory that resulted in no points. The fumble. When Flacco got drilled. And Tevin Coleman missed out on a block, and, and Salah wouldn't say his name after, but Coleman should have had the block on the, the two, safety. Well, I don't think it's all on Tevin Coleman. Uh, I think what happened was they went to hurry up. If you I watched it before. They rushed to the line of scrimmage. I don't think 
they realized where the rush was coming from. Tevin Coleman was on the right side, went into a pattern. He probably should have been moved to the left side and said protect. And I think they rushed so much that they, they didn't have time. And then the linebacker from Miami uh, made a great play covering Coleman. because I think he, I think Flacco was just looking. He was going to do a quick throw to him. But that play, two missed field goals, and then the punt. That's four trips into the red zone with no points. They also had a drive, I think, uh, not, not red zone, rather. I'm, I'm sorry, plus territory in the Miami territory. They, I think, too, they had a drive where they may have crossed the 50 and then gone back over the 50 after a holding call. And that was the one where it looked like Elijah Moore got his shirt his jersey tugged, and they didn't call pass interference. They the drive that, ended. Yeah. yeah, so that was another. And drive. Cal was mad. He showed a lot of He showed a lot more emotion, and maybe they showed him more. But when they had the bad plays, and then when the defense made a stop, you saw him a lot more fired up on Sunday. Yeah, so they crossed over. They they did get to the Miami forty-one on that drive, and then a holding call on Carver McGovern moved them back. So that's another drive where they were in Miami territory, came away with no points. Uh, so you know, so it's it's really five drives where they were where they got in there and came away with nothing. So you you can't live like that in the NFL. In the words of the sports pope, they stink. They are just bad. And, you know, it sucks because well, they were at the seven when they fumbled that. Nothing Flacco could do. He was just crushed. But that's another shot. Like, you got to score when you get that. That was a good drive. You got to score there. And they did not. They even got an interception. And Ashton Davis sighting. Folks, Ashton Davis was on the field and he had a pick. Can you believe it? Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Now we turn the page and Joe Flacco was serviceable. Luckily, he wasn't like too good where you're like oh maybe we start him another week he was like good enough but not good enough to be like yeah we're playing you no he's done but you know good job filling in there I still would have rather seen Mike White lose that game than Joe Flacco because you still need to know who and what Mike White is but maybe if they bring back Flacco it's just when you see Flacco play decent like he did Sunday you wonder like why didn't you just pay him to start in week one you know that's an endless argument I just think Flacco could have started the first few games, kept the Jets competitive, maybe win a few, and uh, you know then hand the keys to well, the Well, the Jets would argue they wanted to do that, and he didn't want to come. That's what yeah, they argue. that's so, true. So I'll say uh, that in press conferences. Have no fear. He'll hand the keys to Wilson in Week 12. Uh, better late than never. Now we turn the chapter back to the rebuild, and let's hope Michael Carter gets to play at some point this year. You know, he might miss a game. Who knows? But he was a bright spot with that long run, and, and he had a good day, and then the Jets kind of stopped running after that once he got hurt but now we turn the page this Texans game might suck but we do see Zach Wilson back on the field this is big now we get a you know what six weeks I, I keep getting thrown off by this added week of the season when yeah, the season too. actually There's seven ends. seven games left I think right seven games you hope he stays healthy and now cause the rest of the season is about seeing what this kid had he's he's watched the game from the sidelines he should be a hundred percent they gave him that extra week to get the knee right now it's Zach Wilson time and, and that's what the rest of the season's all about yeah yeah, here's what I'm interested in, Jake. I, I agree with you. It's about Zach. But the, the rookies, uh, Michael Carter and Elijah Moore, have made a lot of progress when Zach has not been on the field, right? Like that is their, their kind of ascent here has coincided with Zach being hurt. So they've been better with Mike White and Joe Flacco. It's a little alarming. Yeah. What happens when Zach comes back now? I mean, Michael Carter, I, I think he might be out. You know, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, that, that looked like a pretty bad ankle injury yesterday where he, he might miss a few weeks. Ankles are tough. But Elijah Moore will be out there. If Elijah Moore all of a sudden has one catch for 12 yards Sunday in Houston after what he did Sunday and after what he's been doing, then you're like, huh, what's going on here? You know, um, so like the Zach's return stunt their growth, stunt the growth of Moore and Carter. And how do you how do you deal with that if you're solid in the Jets? 
that's going to be interesting to watch, I think. Yeah, well, let's hope it doesn't. Do you want to make a pick for this game? <laughs> I mean, I haven't done a deep dive, but, you know, assuming Carter's out, Wilson's the quarterback, I'm going to say the Jets win 2017. Let's say Jets win 2017, guys. I'm going to do a placeholder pick until I can actually digest the, the game. this way. I'll, do, I'll go a 3-3 tie right now, and then, uh, well, I'll, I'll figure it out later <laughs> in the week. Well, Thanksgiving is Thursday, so we'll at least be full of food. Are you the cook? Does your wife cook? Who, who no, cooks? no, What's, what's the deal cook. for Thanksgiving? No, no, we usually go to family. I go to go to my sister-in-law's uh, for for Thanksgiving. So no, I'm not. I can't cook soup, Jake. So I, you don't want me preparing Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, I have trouble even cooking eggos to the right amount in the morning. So uh, my mom will will do that. We have 11 people will be here at the Brown House. So uh, watching watching who uh, David Blau or someone start for the Lions or the Lions Tim Boyle another Thanksgiving. Tim Boyle. I mean, he sounds like that's not, doesn't Tim Boyle sound like a made up like football quarterback? He sounds like the kid like, that got picked up picked on in high school yeah. by no, no, the no, Boyle like, rules. Yeah, I, it feels like to me it's like, you know, Tim, like Friday Night Lights, like Tim Boyle is is the quarterback for Dylan West. <laughs> he's a he's a made up phantom quarterback. Yeah. Well, look him versus him. Andy Dalton. Andy yeah. Dalton's going to be the Bears quarterback. Uh, and he had, he almost had a win, but then the Ravens scored with their backup. So this is a weird week in the NFL. Miss field goals. I've never seen more. Rest in peace to goalpost i mean they were just abused on sunday i think every kicker hit a goalpost so you see jake um, the kickers stink kickers stink yeah. all around the nfl you're well, like the oh jets the jets kickers can't always find a kicker. stink but they but always total, stink almost all kickers stink justin tucker is the one guy oh justin tucker justin tucker. yeah he's, he's a unicorn so find me a unicorn give me a justin tucker 2.0 can they just invest in a kicker they let myers go they let the killer Roberts is go. i'll say this jake the killer is watching nick folk still go in new england oh like, my god and make he, 53 he, yards he like been the jets walk in the park yeah. he should have just they just should have just kept him uh he was a great kicker for a long time for them he's still knocking down 55 yarders like a walk in astoria park and i'm like are you kidding me we can't make a 40 yarder and the patriots are now in first place brady's gone everything's cam newton's gone it's mac jones leading the patriots to the promised land the bills lose jonathan taylor puts up 51 fantasy points and now the New England Patriots are in first place. I mean, can Bill Belichick just go to an old person's home and play bingo? I mean, can can it just end? It's unbelievable that they are still in first place. Well, Thanksgiving week brings back butt fumble memories, of course, and uh, good memories back then and, you know, Rex Ryan days. And, you know, I, I want to play what Rex said before we go to Mike Westoff, because this is interesting. Cameron, let's cue up Rex Ryan's complete 180, where he actually praised Robert Sala. And this was on ESPN's Sunday NFL Count. We ended up talking later in the week, and I got to tell you something. I was blown away by the guy. I mean, he's got a direction for this football team. But I, I'm telling you, Jet fans, I mean, the more I talked to him, the more impressed I was with Robert Sala. Like, I became a fan of his. And I'm just telling you something. This guy's got a great plan, and I think they got it right. I think they got the head coach right, that he's the right guy for the job. We just got to be patient. Who paid who? Where, where did this 180 come from? Like you said, Rex is the gift that keeps on giving. Do you have any insight to what happened? Nah, at, I, I guess just meeting him. Maybe he had never met him, and then we called him. him. Got, yeah, no, like Robert's a pretty impressive guy when you talk to him. Like he can sell you on his plan. You know, Rex just cracks me up though. Like you know, stick to your guns, Rex. Like you, you gave him a fire and you made headlines for ESPN. Like we all understand that's your job, but then he just folds after one phone call. Like. You know, it just cracks me up. I, you know, I don't know if someone from the Jets got to Rex and said, you know, we need you on your side or something. I, I, I'm not sure what happened there, but I thought, you know, come on, Rex, come on, stick, I bet stick you to your guns. This happened, and I think Jets fans would like this. Salah said, you know what? Let's play nice. 
you can be my defensive coordinator next year, <laughs> and we'll form Not, a power duo of yeah, Robert Sala no and Rex Ryan. Thoughts? What's funny, Jake, is the like everyone's pretty tough until these guys are in front of them. Like I get the emails all the time. Oh, you don't ask tough questions. Like, yeah, blah, blah. come on, come on, come on down. You, you go, come on. You, you, you ask Robert Sala why his team sucks. Like, go ahead. And even Rex, who was in that job, was all tough when he's on ESPN talking about it. And then when he, he's on the phone with Robert, he clearly just crumbled and said, "Oh." Yeah, he's got a great plan. I love him. You know, it's it makes me laugh. Everybody's tough. Everybody's a tough guy until they actually have to talk to the person. Robert's like giving him Thanksgiving recipes. And Rex is like, I love this guy. I'm all in on him. What a turn of events that was. Um, well, we're going to try to turn Thursday's events here before we go to Mike Westoff. And we're going to welcome the intern who wasn't fired, Cameron Ezer, out of Syracuse, Cos, because he has... Oh, I didn't know he was out of Syracuse. Oh, yes, my God. It's even Syrac- worse. It's even yeah. worse. Well, oh. you're a what? Penn State guy. I, so. I have to listen to Syracuse crap all the time. Samini, Syracuse. Oh, Syracuse, Syracuse. Yeah. Oh. Syracuse like, out yeah. there. Oh, God. They're everywhere. So he has three. I'm looking at them now, and they are tougher. So, Cameron, I'll let you. Oh, we'll, 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 right. we'll cue the game show music. Three questions. Take it away, Cameron. Yeah, I did what I could. I promise I won't talk any Syracuse. I'll just give you these questions. So we're, we're going to start it off with one. Uh, first off, thanks not for firing me. Uh, Joe Namath holds the single season record for passing yards in a season with 4,007 yards. Who had the second most passing yards in a season and in what year? I'll go Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2015. There you go. Okay, I, I will say, I think I started it off a bit easy. I Knowing your knowledge, I, okay. I went back in the archives and I think I... Uh, he's going to pull up something from 1960 here, no. Jake. This is what they yeah. used. You guys did to me the last time. Right, so for number two, in 1907, no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Which player played in the most games in Jets franchise history? This is a tough one. Uh, Kyle Clifton. Nope, not no. Kyle Clifton. It's Pat Leahy. Pat Leahy. Oh, Leahy. I should have got that. I got hey, that. Yeah. 250 games for the Jets. How about that? Number three. And just like uh, Matt Amendola, Kaz has missed the field goal. <laughs> yes. We'll see if just like Matt Amendola again, Kaz will miss the second field goal too. Let's head to our third one. How many Jets players have over 100 receptions in a season, and can you name them? How many Jets players have over 100 yards? Uh, yeah, this is the guy from 1960. 100 receptions is Brandon Marshall. Okay. What year was Marshall? Uh, 2015. I'll go Maynard, but I have no idea what year. That would be a lot, though, for back then. Those would be the two that i go with. So that 55-yarder steered wide right or wide left. It's only Brandon Marshall. Only Brandon. Okay. You. Yep, only Brandon Marshall. Oh, you you made it Brandon. tough. You said them. So I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, was a little deceptive. I a little deceptive. You, you had six and I seven thought, last time. I looked like it, a fool. Who's second? The second one was who's second with the reception? No, no one has above ninety four. Okay, Brandon Marshall's one hundred nine. No one above ninety four. Right. Okay. All right. So, cause six out of seven, out two out of three. Let me do my quick math. That so would one be out of eight. Three. Out one of out of three. One out of three. One out of three. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, but you got Marshall. All right. I get. Right, I guess. Jay, we'll give me a half point. Jay, give me a half point. I might give him that because you said them, so he assumed it was more than one, but he did get the one guy. So. I'll say 8 out of 10. I'll give you 80%. Okay. A B student, just like I There you go. Dump the cause. Has been stumped. One out of three. The field goal's missed. Shout out to Cameron. He's, Cameron sounds like the guy on movie phone. Press three for showtimes. Four for popcorn. Five for concessions. Joining us next here on Gangs All Here will be former Jets special teams coach Mike Westoff. For the most part, I'm very happy to be here.
All right, joining us now on Gangs All Here is one of the great special teams coaches ever. He was the Dolphins special teams coach first from 86 to 2000 and then had a memorable 11 years with the Jets from 2001 through 2012, getting the Jets to -to back-to-back AFC championship games. I almost don't even know what that means anymore. He finished his career with the Saints as their special teams coach from 17 to 18. The pride of Bethel Park, PA. Let's welcome in friend of the show, Mike west off mike good morning welcome back it's jake brown and brian costello how are you i'm doing great thank you i'm doing just fine have you been watching the jets because if you've been locked in like we have you wouldn't be doing as good but i'm also a fan and you've been you know out of the game and maybe don't care like i care but uh this has been rough two and eight the special teams has not been good your area what do you think so far of what you've seen from the jets the last team that i went to work with with the saints so i'm i'm a big saints fan you know i know everybody there they're all still my friends the jets have changed so dramatically you know, since I was there, the administration, I mean, they've gone through about 10 different groups since those years. But nonetheless, I, I'm still a fan because I love my time in New York. I mean, I just loved it. And we were pretty good. We were a good football team. We had we had developed into a good football team. And then we had a general manager that thought he'd turn us into the New England Patriots. And that took us right down the drain. But, but it was still a lot of fun for me. So I'm a big fan. And I root for them. I mean, uh, Woody Johnson was great to me. My years there were, were really fun. So I'm disappointed. They just don't seem to have found any kind of formula. You know, I, I know they've had some quarterback issues, but I kind of like, you know, this young guy. And I, I like the guy they had before, to tell you the truth. But nothing else seems to be able to fit. They just don't seem to have anything that's fit together. I love the time, the times when I was with the Jets that we became a very physical football team. Uh, those years we went to the championship games. You know, we, Mark Sanchez was our quarterback that was manageable. That's all. But we led the league in rushing. We were really good in defense and I had an all-star team so excuse me we 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 weren't the sexiest team, but we could beat anybody. And it was fun. That has totally changed. They, they've got to somehow get on top of this and get this back together. Mike, I, I agree with you with the identity thing. It's been a long time since the Jets have had an identity and said, okay, this is what Jets football is. This is what they do. Can you establish an identity first before you have the players to do it? Or do you need to kind of have the players and then say, okay, this is what we're going to do? Because, you know, Rex came in, said ground and pound, but he had a great offensive line. He had Thomas Jones back there. There were players there. Can they say, okay, we're going to be a physical team if they don't have the players to pull that off yet? No, that's a good, that's a, that's a really good point. No, you really can't. What you have to do is you have to figure out exactly what you have and then you develop it from there. But yet always keeping in mind where you want to get to. There's a big difference, the difference in knowing how to do the job and knowing actually what to do. I think that really goes back to our general manager when I was there. Knew how to do the job. He still does. You can hear it on TV today. But yet, what to do? No, I'm not. He was lost. That's the difference. And I think that's what you have to do. you got to figure out, okay, who do we have? This is where we want to go. And when we put this together through free agency in the draft, this is what we're looking for. But right now, we're here. Now, let's develop this. And I think that's the thing that, that I was able to do as a coach, and I, I think I did it pretty well. I don't, in fact, I, you know me, I'm a little cocky with it. I don't think anybody did it any better. But when I went to Miami, we were a Dan Marino football team. Dan was the star. The, the Killer Bees defense had gotten old, and we had Dan. Well, consequently, you know, Coach Shula made sure that he was well-equipped. So here I am now, all of a sudden, you know, trying to cover a kickoff with a receiver that catches every ball for Dan because they had a million of them, but maybe he doesn't run any faster than me. So I had to find a way, you know, I had had to come up with a different system. So I had to move people all over the place and, you know, but then eventually you get to where you want to go. And then that's the key. 
But, you know, with the Jets right now, I don't know. I watched them play a few weeks ago. Yeah, I don't care about saying it. It doesn't matter to me. I wasn't sure I saw five football players on that what I was watching that would have made that would have played on our teams back when we were really good. Because I walked into some good New York Jet football teams. Don't forget, I mean, Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick put together a heck of a team at the end of the 90s. You know, they were they, they were loaded. And when Herman came in, we, we were a good football team. You know, Curtis Martin was our running back, Kevin Mawai. You know, they're both in the Hall of Fame. We had excellent receivers with Wayne Corbett and Lavernius Coles, and we drafted Santana Moss. We put together a team. I'm not quite sure, to be honest with you, and I alluded it to a little bit in a book that I've written, that Herman quite didn't, didn't really quite figure it out. It took him a while. But we, we, this was a good team. And then Ma- Ma- Eric Mangini came along, and uh, that's the group that I would have liked to inherit it. I tried to get that job, but it didn't happen. But we, but we were pretty good. The Brickishaw Ferguson, Nick Mangle, or offensive linemen. And when Rex walked in, Rex walked into a very good football team. Drell Rivas and Antonio Camari, and, you know, guys on, on defense that were that were really good. You know, we managed the quarterback. We managed it. You know, Damian Thomason was also one of our ball carriers. Alan Fanica was one of the linemen. But those two guys are wearing gold jackets. So, you know, you have to figure that out and get that developed and get, get a type of football team. I knew with the guys that I had that we would always be able to contribute. Now, that's a lot tougher today in the NFL because you don't have the number of special teams plays. The rules have just diluted the, that entire part of the football game. That's why I'm so glad uh, that, that I'm gone. And I would do the same because I, I couldn't be the same coach that I was if I walked in today because things are so dramatically different. The Jets aren't even close to being there. They're just not close to being there. Seeing Matt Amendola miss a kick every time, I, I wouldn't want to see your reaction on the sidelines, Mike. They well, haven't had a good kicker since you were there, Mike. Where are the where the hell are the kickers? They don't put any money. Well, Jason Myers, one year, Pro Bowl. But outside of that, it seems like they just do not invest in good field goal kickers. And you see guys like Justin Tucker winning games week after week for the Ravens when you got kickers for the Jets, uh, not really losing games because most of the times they get crushed. But uh, in close games, it's a liability. you got to find them. There's not a million Jason Tuckers. No, of course not. But there, you look at around a lot. There's a lot of good kickers in the NFL. There's lots of them. You just have to find one and then develop it. Just make sure you stay on top with his techniques and those kinds of things. It's not, it's not the most difficult thing to do. You, you can do it. It's just the way it is goes you, you can get that found and but it's little by little you know the special teams are just a small part of it today it's just the, the number of plays is so dramatically reduced i coached 32 years in the nfl my first 30 years not counting pats and field goals okay i don't count those plays either kicking them or defending them i averaged 22 plays a game because remember back then every kickoff was covered or returned you didn't have all the touchbacks so I averaged 22 plays a game. When I went with the New Orleans Saints, seven. We scored a lot, of course, with Drew Brees, but yet all the kickoffs were all touchbacks. So you didn't, you know, I can run down on a touchback. I'm 73. Please give me a break. Nothing to it today. This dramatically reduced. That's why the Saints, you know, asked me to come out of retirement. I didn't want to do it. I did not know one person with the New Orleans Saints. I knew who Drew Brees was. I never met Sean Payton in my life, and I was really enjoying doing the ESPN work and the SNY work. I was having a lot of fun doing that. And they called me one time. They said, look, come on, we need help. We're a really good team. We think we think we can win it all, but our special teams just aren't, they're not there. When I walked in there, they were 31st in the league. When I left, we were first. I'm pretty proud of that. So they're, they're my buddy. I can go anything down there. They like, I get along great with those well, guys. A Saints check is also different than the SNY check, so you can't turn that opportunity <laughs> down, right, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good. I didn't write about that. I, I kept that quiet. <laughs> you're you're one of my favorite guests because you you're honest, you're candid, and the book. I want to know more about this book. What is it called? When is it coming out? Because 
I don't read a ton of books, but your book, I will 100% read. I think you will. And I, I, I'm extremely proud of it. You know, I, I had talked to a number of people and talked about all the experiences that I had, you know, all the way from growing up to fighting through the illness things that I had to go through. And yet the success that I was able to have at a really unique time. I mean, I came in the in 1982 with the Baltimore Colts with Frank Cush and how that, you know, I was part of that midnight move from Baltimore to Indianapolis. I was part of all that. And then I was with Don Shula for all those years with Coach Shula in, in Miami and experienced the, you know, the extreme highs of being with him and he and Dan Marino. And then, of course, the lows of losing to Buffalo and not going to the Super Bowl and then going to the Jets at a time when I just loved New York. I loved it. I loved the fans. And we were good. And then be there and then, then to get out and do the media stuff. And then and so I wanted to write a book, capitalize all that. And so I did. It's called Figure It Out, which is what I did. I figured it out. And I got guys just like that, you know, from this from Zach Thomas you know, all the way through, you know, Leon Washington and, and on and just all these guys that came in kind of out of nowhere and made this dramatic impact in a lot of areas. You know, we, we hold a lot of the records that, that was done. I mean, my time at the, my first 10 years at the New York Jets, first 10, uh, we had nine, nine different guys that led the National Football League at one time or another in returns. Nobody's ever going to break that record because there's no returns anymore. <laughs> can't. You can't do it. And it's not a story about the quarterback that makes $160 million. It's about the guy out of nowhere and what we did to help win football games. And then I wrote it and uh, Barry Wilner, you know, you know, Barry, he helped me. Uh, and he's a very good writer himself. And he's been involved in a lot of books. I wrote every word, but he edited it for me. And then he conducted the interviews. I would set it up and he'd call Leon Washington and interview him and record it and then type it up. And then as I turned the book into him, he would insert the different parts of the interviews where they were applicable. So, you know, you're hearing me tell the story and then you're hearing Leon Washington talk about it. Or you're hearing Zach Thomas talk about it. Or you're hearing Taysom Hill down in New Orleans describe it. You know, it really, it's really an interesting kind of way to do it. And I'm very, very proud of how it's come out. It's 300 some pages. It took me two years. We miss you the press conferences, Mike. It hasn't been the same since you've been gone. The press, the, the West off press conferences were really a high, highlight of the week. We now, sometimes we tell Boyer, don't worry about it. We don't need you because nothing happens. There's no special teams place. So like, why am I going to talk to the special teams coach this week? You know, this week we'll need them because they miss kicks. But a lot of times, but I'll tell you, Jake, I'll tell you a couple stories about with Mike that always made me laugh. So the Jets PR department they prep the coaches before they talk to us right they, they come up with what questions we're going to ask how they should answer them and you know so i think you told me and mike like threw out the script mike, or mike, something. Would, mike would walk in with the notes and just toss them to the side <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like i don't need this and then you just see the pr people just turn white you know as you do that. And then the other part is like during training camp, we watch the whole practice, but in, in regular season now we can only watch the first uh, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. A lot of that is special teams. I always, I tease Mike, like Mike, I could run, I could run Miami right for you right now. You know, Mike will be out Miami, right. Miami, right. The kickoff return. We'd watch it. And you didn't understand just how intricate these returns were until you could, you watch them practice them. Uh, you know, I think a lot of fans think get, you get the ball and you run on a kickoff, you know, but they were like, they're plays, they're offensive plays. They're, they're, they're they have like, you know, moving parts less so now than, than then because he like Mike said you can't can't do a lot of the stuff he was doing but it was always fascinating to watch that that part of the practice and, and learn the special teams game watching him do it so we we miss him the media does it in New York for sure Mike I'm curious you you worked for a lot of different coaches and obviously you spent a long time with with Shula who was well established when you got there but then you've had you are you worked for some coaches who were first-time head coaches Herm Mangini Rex Sala's going through that right now with his and they, he has a young staff and you can kind of feel like they're 
They're trying to learn their way here. How difficult is that jump from coordinator to head coach? They're all successful coordinators. They wouldn't become head coaches, but it's such a different job. How tough is that jump for guys? It can really be difficult. You have to rely on the people that you've hired and you as a head coach have to coordinate it. Now, some head coaches, you know, are coordinators. You know, some guys call the plays. Some's a defensive coach and they still get involved. You know, Rex was, you know, a defensive guy, so he stayed very involved with the defense. He left everything else alone to the rest of us. I mean, I remember during the lockout year, remember when the lockout was going on, what, in like, I guess 10 or 11, we had a bunch of coaches come in and visit. John Gruden was with us. And actually, John's a pretty good personal friend of mine. And John told me that that was the best NFL coaching staff he had ever seen. When, you know, Bill Callahan was the offensive line coach. He's pretty good now. And, and so a lot of things we did, you know, Rex left us alone and we just coasted. He just kind of coordinated it and, and did well. So you have to get the right guys with you that know how to teach it. I, I watch a lot of returns and I see so many holding and penalties. That drives me crazy. You have to learn how to teach this stuff as a coach, as an assistant. One of the things that was great for me when I came to New York I would jump on a train and go down into Manhattan, go over to 280 Park Avenue. I could, I, I was there a hundred times to the NFL offices and I'd meet with Mike Pereira. And I sat there and learned what they teach the officials. How do you, what, why do you call holding? What do you look for? Well, I, I, I know, I think this, I can give you a good statistic. You can look it up. My first, my first eight, my eight years at the National Football League, I was in charge of the officials. I hired our officials for practice. We had great guys in the New York Jets over that time when Herm was there and Eric Mangini, we were the least penalized team in the National Football League. I get one of those stupid holding calls. Oh, trust me, you wouldn't want to be in that meeting with me. I'd be screaming. That's ridiculous. You just can't, you know, you have to learn how to do it. You don't get holding calls with your hands. You get them with your feet. Everybody holds. You just have to learn how to run with the guy and stay in front. When he starts to move away from you, what the officials see is that extended arms holding him. Then they throw the flag every time. When he starts to extend, just push him away. Practice it. Learn how to play the game. If you don't learn how to play the game, then you're going to get these stupid penalties. As a head coach, you come in new. You've got to learn. You've got to get going on all this stuff. You have to make sure that your guys are teaching this. I mean, when I had Justin Miller, we would run a wedge type thing. Justin wanted to be 12 yards behind his block. That's where he had to be. He was so fast. He was running to it. Leon Washington, six to seven, because he liked to hide right behind it and he'd break through. Well, they both led the league. Well, that's why, because you figure these things out. And this was kind of stuff a new head coach. He's better get guys that can teach everything like this. When I went to the New Orleans Saints, if you want to watch a great practice, you should watch Sean Payton teach that offense. He's the best on-the-field teacher I've ever seen in my life. And I was with some good coaches. Sean Payton teaches that offense like nobody's business. I mean, he can get guys, I mean, really in some ways, with that group they've got out there. Last Yesterday, both of their starting offensive tackles were out. You know, they got the backup quarterback in. Kamara didn't play. Taysom Hill's out. The tight end, can't, I can catch better than him. And they're, and they're still hanging in the game. Sean Payton is really a good football coach. That's why they win. And I don't see that. I haven't seen that with the Jets for a long, long time. I just haven't seen it. But that's what you have to get done. Everybody should be responsible. Mike Westoff, we're looking forward to your book. Let us know when it's out. We'll make sure to uh, plug it on the show. And we appreciate you coming on Gangs All Here. Okay, guys. Thank you for asking. I know I ramble sometimes. Thanks. You're doing a good job. They're going to be all right anytime. Anytime. Bye. Don't even get me going. That says adios to episode 86, the Verlin Biggs edition of Gangs All Here, a Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz and intern Cameron Zare for helping me produce the show. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio, at Brian Cos. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. Andrew, what are your Thanksgiving plans? I got to tell you, in addition to doing a, a whole lot of cooking, because unlike you, I, I know how to make you know, 
egg a oh, waffle. Oh, you're a chef. I, 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 can, I can cook. I dabble a little bit. I'm thoroughly looking forward to uh, watching the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. No, absolutely not. I have no desire to watch, honestly, any of these games. They're all pretty terrible. I can't stand the, the Cowboys. Can't stand the Bills. So it's it should be a, a day of just uh, stuffing my face and being miserable about my own football team. How about you? Yeah, I mean, Bills Saints normally be good, but when it's Trevor Simeon in prime time, it doesn't have the same ring to it. And the Bills are also, like, struggling. They've come back down to earth. I mean, the best game of the day is Raiders-Cowboys, and the Raiders are really coming back down to earth. We usually see a movie. I don't know if we're going to do HBO Max and do it or go to the theater and see that new Will Smith movie. I'm excited about that, doing that on Thanksgiving. Usually I don't go because I watch football, but, you know, I'd be doing a disservice to my family if I said, sorry, I got to watch Bears-Lions. Andy Dalton versus O'Doyle rules. Uh, I can't go to the movie. So I'm going to go with the movie. But happy Thanksgiving to you all, to your families. So thankful to be hosting the Gangs All Here podcast with my esteemed colleague, Brian Costell. Thanks to Kaz. And thanks to you, Andrew. And thanks to you, Cameron. Good job on Stump the Kaz. We will be back on Sunday night. We'll be recording. And that'll come out late Sunday night, early Monday morning. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Gangs All Here. Have a happy Thanksgiving. And we'll talk to you next time.